Welcome to another podcast by the three semi-wise men. I'm Curtis Burstick. I'm Wade Holmes. And Mike Ryder. And tonight our topic is on, well, we got two questions that we're sort of asking. What's the purpose of the universe in general and why were we created? So they're really broad questions and... Um, and I, I wanted to ask them broad, broad questions because they're really important questions that we need to understand. And depending on who you talk to, there's so many different answers. There's so many different ideas that people have about what the answer to these questions are. And when it comes down to it, there has to be only one a- answer. So hopefully by the end of our discussion, we'll figure out what that one answer is. And yeah, but I didn't want, and I also didn't want to, um, put my assumptions and my opinions into this question. So I approached it, asked this question to these guys, to everyone, so in the way that we could all have our own thoughts without being influenced by me. <laughs> uh, so when you say which guys, are you uh, referring to us? Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> I think Wade has the right answer because his notes are finally typed up. Hey, they're very good notes. <laughs> he actually typed them up a couple, days ag- or t- couple, couple of times. podcasts ago, too. Yeah. I try my best, okay? Do Where would you print them? My printer doesn't work. We have, I have a printer at work. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still work in a church now. Okay. I used to know that. So I guess I'll take the floor in the uh, first opening thought. Okay, sounds good. The simple answer is God's glory. But the thing is, there's so much more to it than that. And all of our actions were to glorify God. And I'm a firm believer that nobody passes away or dies from this world randomly. God has a plan for every such thing. Even the most minute things you could think of, the smallest things, God has a plan for that. So God keeps us here to bring others to Him. And it's interesting to me, because although we may be unaware of the grand plan of our life, God knows every intricate detail. He knows what's planned. He knows the mountains we will cross, the trials, and the paths we will take. He knows what we will do through our lifetime. Now, the basic answer to what I said is, it's for, the God's, for God's glory. That's a simple, basic answer for it. But there's a few things you have to go through. I'm going to kind of do them point by point. First, God didn't create us because he needed us. It says that um, in Acts 17.24, that the God who made the world and everything in it is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. God did not need us when he created us. Let's just get that out there. He didn't create us because he needed us. He didn't create us because he's lonely. Hmm. From the beginning of time, he had the Holy Spirit and he had Jesus with him. So he did not create us because he needed a friend. We need him for sure. We definitely, but yes, other way around, not really so. Hmm. So yes, he's not. He didn't create us because he was lonely. If you read into Genesis one twenty six, he even says, "Let us make man in our own image." In our, he's referring to himself, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. So right from the beginning, he already had people, not people. <laughs> he already had the Holy Spirit and Jesus to share eternity with, to share his amazingness, so to say. And one of the most important things is he didn't make us because he needed his ego fed. God did not make us so that he made us so we can worship him, but he doesn't need it. He was totally secure in who he was beforehand, with or without us. So the second big point is despite not needing us, God chose to create us anyway out of his love. It says in Jeremiah 31.3 that I have loved you with an everlasting love. So putting that into layman's terms, God loved us before he even created us. So before every one of us was even knit in the womb, God already loved us. Try fathoming that for a second, boys. Just let that sink in. What do you feel? (laughs) Before you 
or you. I know you can't see me pointing point to it to me. I made a very simple point with my finger. <laughs> <laughs> Theater of the mind. Just to, just to give you that visual, listeners. Even you, listeners as well. God created you and loved you. Sorry, God loved you before he even created you. One of the most amazing things to ponder. Third, God created us to fulfill his eternal plan. God in his infinite wisdom chose to make us part of that plan. He didn't need to, he didn't have to, but he chose to make us part of the plan of what he's going to do throughout eternity. And honestly, I think that's just amazing. God didn't need to create us. Out of love he did, and out of love he showed himself to us, as it expressed many times through the Bible and through Jesus' entire life. But he didn't need to. I find that so interesting that even though he did not need us, he still created us. Because mm. so often in humankind, we toss aside the things we don't need and we keep the things we do need. But God, not needing us, still keeps us and he wants us closer than anything. Mm. Mike? Or is all yours? <laughs> Should have had my pen out to cross out the points of mine that you already touched on. <laughs> that's a bit starting early. That's yeah, that's true. All right, well, I'll start with mine anyway. Upon Googling Google machine. It is a uh, networking thing, Google. <laughs> <laughs> the thing you do on the internet. Uh, upon Googling the question, what, why did God create the universe? Um, I came upon wiki answers, which I probably could have just went to first. And the answers people were putting were <laughs> boredom, which Wade already touched on, that God was bored. Um, and then loneliness, which Wade already touched on that God was lonely. <laughs> and then one that Wade kind of half touched on um, was a need to demonstrate his power. How do you half touch something? <laughs> <laughs> he put, you said a need to fulfill his ego or something. Oh, I got you. Just similar. Uh, literally, you can't half touch something. You either touch something or you don't. That's what I was thinking. It's a different topic. <laughs> and one of my favorite ones is when people answer a question with a question. God is an artist. Why does a painter paint? It was obviously an artist who wrote that answer. <laughs> uh, so that was some of the answers. And then uh, my thought is same as Wade's. <laughs> I think God did it for his glory. He wasn't bored or lonely because he had a relationship with the Trinity. Um, he doesn't need to demonstrate his power because if he wanted to demonstrate his power, he could do it in a, a different way. Why create an imperfect world to demonstrate your power? And, oh, and besides, other than that, he would just be demoing it to the other two members of the, of the Trinity who already know fully what his power is because it's their power as well. <laughs> so there's no purpose in demonstrating your power. Um, and I'm not even going to touch on the one that answered the question with a question. He created the earth because it was the best way to bring him the most glory. The Trinity glorifying itself uh, isn't as much glory as human beings or um, not just human beings, but earth and creation bringing glory to God as well. Redeeming a fallen earth is greater than just creating a perfect earth that has no free will like we talked about last week. Um, then, yeah, creating a perfect earth that has no free will. That's this is obviously to bring God glory. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> The Bible doesn't say like a particular verse, at least that I found, that says this is why I made the universe. It's kind of his prophets it, say some stuff. But you see it throughout the entire Bible, yeah. especially like when you read the Psalms. For example, one of the Psalms I found, Psalms 19: The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display His knowledge. 
There is no speech or language where the voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth and the, the world, in their words, the ends of the world. So basically, it's saying, like, you just look up in the sky and you see the stars, you see the moon and the sun and everything. You just see, like, especially now that with the technology and how close we can see the galaxies and all it, all it does is show God's glory and it, mm -hmm. and it speaks volumes because everyone can see it and it's like when people say a picture's worth a thousand words well you look up in the sky and it's like every single star out there represents a galaxy it's like and galaxies full of other all these stars and all, each star is just full of words that just declares glory yeah and obviously that's not for like, if God just created all that just for himself and didn't bother creating the world with people in it, then it just, it'd just be pointless because he would just be showing, just showing himself how good he is. <laughs> hey, how Jesus. awesome he is. Hey, Jesus, Holy Spirit, look what I did. Yes, <laughs> we know you did it through us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and that, like, and I used to live up on one of the fine, one of the many fine hills here in Kelowna, British Columbia. And I'd be driving down to work, and you just look down, you see the lake and the hills, and when they're other, they're covered with snow, or it's the sun, and they're covered with green trees, and they just mm -hmm. got me every time, just mm -hmm. like, right in the, I'm pounding my heart, right in the heart, <laughs> just like, this is incredible, like, this huge mountain, or, well, you call them mountains here in British Columbia, but if you're from near the Rockies, and you just call them giant hills, <laughs> are just like, Pretty much. like, God created these with just the words of his mouth. And that's mm -hmm. just total glorifying to mm -hmm. glory for him. That's amazing. He made creation so beautiful that we could have pleasure in it. And he has pleasure in it as well, I'd say so. Because mm -hmm. he has pleasure in watching us enjoy his beauty. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah 42, verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Um, yeah, and so... Everything that he created isn't just um, something else to glorify. Like, we're not glorifying the galaxies out there. We're not, like, we're through the galaxies. We see a glimpse of what God, God's power and how good, great he is. So then we worship him, and it's always, it's always what we see is a means of worshiping God, and everything points towards God. Mm -hmm. So he didn't create things as something else to glorify. He created it to glorify himself. And it's so easy for people to, like, entire religions are based around worshipping idols like sun gods and all these things that are created, and they become the glorified thing as opposed to the God who created them. Mm -hmm. and, and I also um, want to bring out another point that another sort of reason why God created the universe and that's um to provide a means for jesus to die for us and i think because in set in first peter 1 19 it says but the precious blood of christ a lamb without blemish or defect he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in the last time for your sake and so not only did god love us before we were created but he also planned before anything was created for Jesus to be a sacrifice for us. And so um, I was thinking about, thinking about how this conversation would have gone down between the, within the Trinity. 
and <laughs> you can't really imagine. I don't think your mind can fathom that. No, I can't because they yeah. wouldn't be talking about it. They'd just be like doing it. <laughs> I feel like this would be funny. Uh, we'll see. Um, oh, you're leading up to it. No, I am. Okay. No, no. <laughs> okay, go. Um, I think a lot of people sort of imagine the conversation going more like, well, let's create let's create something that will show up or be able to glorify us. And so they created man and gave him free will so that they could choose him and, and, um, and be able to glorify him on their own. And, and, um, so, but I don't think that's how it would have actually gone down. I think it would have gone, I, cause there's this whole within God is love, right? That's first for first John. And I think, more so than creating people that could glorify God, I think God wanted to show His love to show the love He has within Himself to a people. Mm-hmm. And so, instead of going, well, let's create a people who will glorify us. And th- I think we're definitely that's the point. The point of us. That's why even Jesus came to die for us and and gave Himself up for us is so that we could. Point, look at Jesus and go, wow, that's that's awesome. Let's glorify God. But I think more so than that, they wanted to share their love with what they had with themselves, that love they have for themselves, the father-son relationship that Jesus and the father had. And so, um, first, or John 17 sort of describes it like this. Jesus is praying and... My tabs. Oh, that's why I use them. <laughs> I tabbed all my verses. I forgot that I. Let's <laughs> start flipping through random. Um, now this is eternal life that they may know you, the one, only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by complete com- by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And so Jesus is glorifying God or God, his father by doing what he's told him to do. And, and first John three sixteen, God sent his son. It was God's command to, for Jesus to go and go into the world and give himself up for us so that we could have that relationship with God. And so that's how Jesus is loving God, the father and, and God, the father's loving Jesus by by him being the means by which we're going to be saved. So we worship Jesus because, wow, look at what he did for us. And so, mm-hmm. um, and then, then also him, Father raising Jesus up and putting him at the right hand of the throne right beside him. So within in that, um, the, that's demonstrating that love that they have for each other where Jesus is going to do anything for him and, and the Father's going to do anything for the Son. And, and, with, and it shows... And the cross shows that love, and it also shows the love that they have for us, too. And that they're willing to go that far for us. That they're not going to hold back any, any love whatsoever in order to... Any expression of love whatsoever in order to reach us and make it possible for us to have that relationship with them. It wasn't, wasn't the dialogue I had thought in my mind, but <laughs> I forgot how it was going to go, so I just sort of explained it. <laughs> the dialogue is... <laughs> okay, here's my version of the dialogue. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so, the way that people, a lot of people envision it, and they're like, training together, and like, hey, let's create a world. So they create a world, <laughs> and they put humans in it, and they make these humans, and they make Adam and Eve, and then they fall, and they're like, oh, 
crap, they sinned. Jesus, you're going to have to die now. Mm. That's how people think. That's, that's, that's almost exactly that's how exactly. I had it in my mind. Yeah, This yeah. is how it actually is. Okay, let's create the world. But Jesus, you're going to have to die, just so you know. Even before they created the world, they knew that Jesus would be the sacrifice. Mm. <laughs> and at that point, he was, he was chill with it. He's like, right. I, I got like, this. Yeah, I knew. I knew that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, yeah, I'll have was... a bit of debate when I'm in the garden, but, you know, chill <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait until the last second to open up that debate with... <laughs> yeah, thank God, I'm so cool with it. <laughs> Don't worry, it's just teaching them to pray for your will. <laughs> oh, man. Always a point. <laughs> Can I do my, my Google results of why we are here? What's okay. Okay. What? Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to jump before you and steal your points this we'll time. See. Okay. I Googled as well. What's the meaning of life? Wiki answers hmm. didn't give me any answers. So oh, I went to... Like wiki no answers. <laughs> wiki. So I went to Yahoo answers. Oh. And next they best put, place. <laughs> yeah, next best place. They put, to survive. That's why we're created? That's why we're created. Okay. It's to survive. No, not necessarily created. What's the meaning of our life? Oh, okay. Is what it was. So to survive even knowing that you're going to die regardless of how you choose to live your life? So, yeah, to survive as long... Well, they just put to survive, and I'm assuming to survive as long as possible. Good mm-hmm. This is a fun one, too. This is kind of like the artist one. To find the purpose of life... Oh, so the meaning of life is to find the purpose of life while trying to make as many people as happy as possible. <laughs> Another person put to experience. Hmm. So that wow. was theirs. To experience life. <laughs> yeah, just no to experience. And then they put... Something else. But so that's very subjective. Whatever you want to experience, just go just ahead experience because that's the meaning <coughs> of your life. Experience. Yeah, so that's my opening. And then mm. I have what Tony Campolo says in one of his newer books, but I'll let Wade go. No, you can. Continue. You want me to? Okay, Tony yep. Campolo. I'll continue after. And then I have verses to go with Tony Campolo. Tony, <laughs> Tony Campolo says um, in his book, Red Letter Revolution with Shane Claiborne, mm. he says, he tells people the purpose of your life. You are in this world because God wants you to partner with him in, in bringing love and justice into the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a, a, a theory that's gone, or a theory for, la- theory, for lack of a better word, that's gone right straight to Genesis. Um, in Genesis one twenty six to 28 uh, is when God, when the Trinity is conversing about creating humans. Uh, then God said, Let's make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the, in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the God, ground. That move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then he kind of repeats that in uh, 2.15. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and care for it. So God created man and woman and put them in this garden and put them to take care of the earth. Um, everything that he created. Now I'm not sure that God is not just creating the universe and like, okay, mankind, you have to take care of it. Peace out. But like, <laughs> God is there working with them, and they're to partner together and work to bring this. And I think it's the same idea as uh, as today that God wants us to work with them in bringing love and justice into the world. And then Jesus says a similar thing. I thought I bookmarked this first. Where are you? In Matthew, when he's sending out the 
disciples, or the 12 disciples, he sends them out, and these are the instructions he gives them. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any, of the t enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take any gold or silver or copper or to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, the work, for workers are worth their keep. Whatever village or, or whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at that person's house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest upon it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone does, will not welcome or listen to your words, shake off the dust of your feet and leave when you leave that town, that home or town. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. So he's sending out the disciples to do his work, to proclaim the message of the kingdom of heaven, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, and all that kind of, the healing, the justice to the world. But he's telling them not to take any gold or silver, to totally rely on God, so showing that God's going to partner with them as they go in. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I guess my final thought is... Well, it's not a final thought. It's just My thought on this question is a lot of people wonder, regardless of faith, regardless of anything in your life, why am I here? Why am I created? Why, why, why? There's a lot of whys. And for Christians, the big question of wondering is, what do I play in God's plan? Because God has us as part of it. Like, once we accept Jesus, truthfully, when, uh, like, legitimately in your heart, you got to ask yourself, like, why did God... Why does God have me here? What am I supposed to do? And I found three key verses that I feel that that's really all you got to do. I'm going to start off with Matthew 22, 39. Love your neighbor as yourself. As much as you love yourself, love other people the same way. Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Pretty simple. I mean, it's not simple. I mean, you got to <laughs> all your life, but the idea, just loving God <laughs> with all of who you are. Mm-hmm. And then finally, in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared us for in advance for us to do. I'm surprised you didn't have the James verse in there. Take care of orphans and widows. <laughs> that's usually one that's in Take care place. of orphans and widows in distress, <laughs> and lean not on understanding. Right. <laughs> no, and uh, do not get corrupted by... Yeah, it kind of fell in with your Ephesians verse anyway. I think it worked. Okay. But with all that being said, I feel that finally the most important part we play in God's eternal plan, the plan he has for just all of mankind, is to point people to eternal life with God. God has us here as his, I don't want to say soldiers or agents, I would want to say like helpers, disciples, something along that lines, to help lead other people. Yeah, soldiers don't really lead people. Okay, shut up. No, I would say soldiers is an awesome title. Okay, fine. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> To lead other people to the understanding of God that we have got, the love we have felt, and the truth that God has done in our lives. That is, in my opinion, the entire point of our lives. And I've heard many people say that even if their entire life can just be to lead one person to Christ, it is fulfilled. It is more than anything. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I agree with that. I've had the blessing of leading a few people to Christ in my life that are still continuing in their faith. And I get to see it every day with the kids I work with. I'm starting to grow a bit more every time. And... There's so much joy in seeing that, and I'm committed to believing that and spending the rest of my life making disciples as Jesus tells us to do. Yes, and I think that's one of the more uh, most important points. That with, with what you ended off with is not just like 
<laughs> telling people, here's Jesus, peace out. Here's but, a leaflet. <laughs> you're, you're going to hell if you don't accept everything but on it. making disciples uh, mm-hmm. is, is a huge part of that. Well, because uh, if God chose church. to have a relationship with us, if we're just throwing the gospel at people and not even bothering to enter into their lives on a personal level, what is the point? What are we going to get across? Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, say out of 10,000, 10 people will understand it a bit because that's just how their mind is geared. They're geared to accept things and God will maybe move, the Holy Spirit will move and they'll accept it. Mm-hmm. But if you're not sitting down with somebody, going for coffee with somebody, spending time investing into their lives, crying when they're crying, being joyful when they're joyful, are they really going to accept the truth of the gospel if you're not going to be there living mm-hmm. with them through their life? And even if they did accept the gospel by, uh, by a pamphlet, they would have no idea what a relationship with God looks no. like. It's just, uh, it's just an explanation of why you need God and how you get that relationship with God, but it doesn't show, tell you anything about how that relationship looks or no. what's, what, what happens after the point when you accept that Jesus died for you. That's why, God, so. that's why Jesus told us to make disciples. He helped thousands of people on his journey, which we are also to do as well. We're not supposed to turn a blind eye to people in need. At the same time, we need to focus on the few that God does place in our lives and mm-hmm. invest the time into them, knowing that God will return and there will be fruit. So my, my answer to this question is um, from Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Isn't that an awesome verse? <laughs> Summary of life right there. Fear God and obey his commands. Hmm. <laughs> but, of course, I need to take that another step further. Or else that's... Uh, it's never that simple. Yeah, no, it's, it's never that simple. simple. But I'm mean, actually... three verses and that was it. Now you got to go for another one. <laughs> <laughs> verses are pretty truthful, just to the point. Love, <laughs> love your neighbor and uh, trust in him. Well, that was, that was my next point. Cause but I now need it's going to step further. Well, no, I'm, I'm, that, was, that was my step back, because I need to step back and go, okay, well, what's, where does this all originate from? Where does the whole idea of love come from? And that's not just a, well, that's just not just a response. That's actually something God expects from us. Mm-hmm. But it, in another sense, it is just a response in that we've seen God's love for us, and so we go and love others. We go and love God. And so that, that really was my next point, and, and Wade already went into good detail on what love looks like. And, <laughs> so I'm not gonna I'm not no gonna problem. repeat it, but stealing <laughs> everyone's points. <laughs> Any final thoughts? I was, I think we wrapped this up pretty nicely. Today. I would say so. I just I just want to ask one one last question from you guys. I don't know. You guys probably didn't think about this much this past week, but can you give? Oh, I guess you gave some examples of what glorifying God looks like, and that's through making disciples. But what what are some ways? that maybe help our listeners understand or know what glorifying God looks like more specifically mm. than just vague idea of loving people. And Well, it's interesting because at work, um, me and my coworkers were discussing this over our weekly devotional, and we tend to forget that God's not going to call everybody to save Africa. Not everybody's going to be the person who cures AIDS. Not everybody's going to be the person who <laughs> spends time with the homeless. God is going to give us all different ways to serve. It can be as simple as helping out at a food kitchen, picking a kid up when he falls to the ground and skins his knees, taking a neighbor out for coffee, shoveling somebody's driveway, raking their lawn, depending on the time of year. There's so many different ways that we don't really think are glorifying God because they're not the big things. They're not the flashy things. Honestly, I think God smiles more upon the people that do things that don't get noticed, the small things, the things that only maybe help a few, 
then he does the big things because he knows that when we do those big things, if we're not trusting in him the entire time, it's going to go to our head. With a, glory, a lot of the glory, it's going to be lost. So look around your communities, look around your workplace, look around wherever you are, and look for those small opportunities to help somebody out, to give, because that will glorify God. I feel like uh, glorifying God is using the, the the gifts that he's giving you to do. So I find that um, what portrays my relationship with Christ um, to people the most is just like listening to them. Mm-hmm. Like um, just sitting down and when they're talking, talking, <laughs> talking, just listening to what they're saying. And I, I just pick up on just random <laughs> weird things that like the next time I see him I mention it and they're like oh that's weird that, like, how do you remember that and I'm like well you told me and it happens with my, my fiance all the time is I just ra- remember random stories she's told me that had like no significance whatsoever the random and then I bring it up again and she doesn't remember telling me that and that just shows like the, the love I have for her and the love for I have for people that I'm actually paying attention and listening to what they're saying and, and getting some mm-hmm. of it stuck in my mind and, and making sure to keep up with them. And I think that's a way that you can glorify God is and, and showing God's love is just by listening to people and, and be able to speak into their lives. But there's there's many ways. It all depends on your gifts. One of my gifts is just is listening. And so that's that's what works. Wade's examples of things he did was gifts of people being able to serve others uh, and that's another way to be able to glorify God. Mm. Oh, he's got a long C.S. Lewis quote. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was just trying to um, paraphrase it, but I don't, I don't know if I can. So to end with a full quote. I'm just going to end with a full quote. <laughs> C.S. Lewis from his. <laughs> <laughs> it's C.S. Shoot. Lewis, man. <laughs> no, the man's good. From Reflections on the Psalms. The most obvious fact about praise whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise, unless shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought into check. The world rings with praise. Lovers praise their mistresses, readers their favorite poets, walkers praise their c- the countryside, players praise their favorite game, etc., I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in their praising it. Isn't she lovely? How go- wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that was magnificent? The psalmists, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. My whole more general difficulty about praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us as regards the supremely valuable, what we delight to do, what we indeed, what indeed we can't help doing about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses what completes the enjoyment. Not, sorry, because the praise merely expresses, not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. And so, based on that entire quote, 
summarize, is telling us that when we've seen how glorious God is, it's not, it's not enough just to keep it to ourselves or our glorying in him would be very incomplete. And so there needs to be a vocal, a, I'm, I need to tell you about God because he's just so good to me and he, this is what he's done in my life and this is kind of things God's shown me about himself and you just can't help it because you've seen who God is and it's incomplete unless it's expressed. Even people who say, I'm going to, preach the gospel through just living it out and not say very much, those people have, have an incomplete expression of worship. And of course, it's great to live their lives and serve and to love people and show God their love in practical ways. But to really complete it, C.S. Lewis is saying here, and I completely agree with him, that it needs to be spoken. It needs to be shared with people. And so that's why even worship in corporate settings at church and stuff like that's so good just to worship together and glorify God vocally in one place and stuff. So if that's everything, I think we can wrap it up. Mm -hmm. This is Curtis Wurstek. And I'm Wade Holmes. And this is Mike. Uh, check out 3semiwisemen.wordpress.com. Yes! <laughs> First week I got it right. It'll <laughs> happen eventually. 3semiwisemen.wordpress.com for, well, podcasts or blog posts, which I... I believe we got a couple up there. There'll be more to come. Uh, mm -hmm. Our Facebook page, Three Semi Wiseman Podcast. Jump on there as well so you know right away when those podcasts are coming up. And subscribe to us on iTunes. We would appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. Have a good night or a good day. <laughs>